practice, jerk practice, sketch boys love to reminisce, yeah. Hello everybody and welcome to the Jerk Practice Podcast. Uh, with me as always is Hans. And likewise, Casey Van Heel. I just realized that with, just as you said it just now, that's a very Wayne's Worldsian introduction. I go with the best, man. Yeah. Go with the best. I read this really weird article. It was about, I guess there was a completely other script for Wayne's World 2 oh, that yeah. Mike Myers came up with. And I started reading the article because I was like, oh, that sounds cool. I love Wayne's World. And Wayne's World 2 was fun. And the article kept going, what Mike Myers wanted to do, totally different Wayne's World 2. <laughs> I read the article and basically all it was was this really weird sort of cult British movie. Yeah. That came out and he wanted to take the like the storyline of that basically as it was. And the storyline of that is this like small rural town in northern England. This one dopey dude finds an undetonated Nazi bomb. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> and then that it, then it goes from there cuz the whole town sort of coalesces around this really strange discovery and it like turns into like money and i would assume into this weird festival yeah you know environment like all Wayne centered Scott around Ian. an undetonated third reich munition uh uh i i love mike myers but he's a bit of um what would you call that? Uh, there's a name for An it. Eccentric? Brit- Britophile? Oh, for sure. He's Canadian. Isn't, isn't, but, he's Canadian, but like so Canadian, like, because isn't, is his father Scottish? Yeah, or is he's- his mother? Uh, I, I believe it's his father. I'm not, I'm not sure. I know he's, let's call it first generation Canadian, if that's a thing. Obviously, no, that totally. must be a thing. Yeah, no, he is first generation um, Canadian. And he's just so, and I know he had a show in England. He's like one of these savants, comedy savants. Mm-hmm. I already prefaced it with how much I love him, and he, he is truly. Oh, he's in the world awesome. of comedy. He's genius, which is, which is why his ideas are hit or miss. To be honest with you, because because mm-hmm. he he's genius. He's a comedic genius with the balls to to take risks. No, he is, and having that drive so early. Like, I remember, I can't tell you how many times I watched his E! True Hollywood story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, just, like, licking my chops because I was so into him. Yep. And just starting to get the inklings of, like, when you're like, oh, people write this. SNL's written by people. Like, that's something you can choose to do. Yeah, that's something you can't. SNL, these people that I've been watching my whole life on Saturday Night Live began as people with aspirations from places yeah. that aren't Hollywood They're just like where Hollywood from. Manhattan if that's a place because yeah, that's like all Mike I picture Fantasyland Watertown South Dakota Canada right. basically like I'm so glad we're talking about this because uh my next sentence of that was I mean soon those dreams were quickly dashed not soon oh but. yeah yeah I watched the movie, um, and I, 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 I guess I am cutting you off here. Do you want to? You want to continue? I'm sorry. Oh, it was just gonna like the whole Mike Myers thing from like, you know, like the story is his. He graduated high school that day and had his dad drive yes. him to Toronto, Second City, and then he auditioned, and like that was the end of it. Like he's just that good. 
that you hear that with Farley too. Yeah, similar. And similar. I know people who interact ha- interact with him now in New York or did a few years ago. Yeah, and they're like he's really nice, but he's like probably what Michael Jackson was like in just like. He's so recognizable, maybe less so now, like as years go by and we get further and further away from Wayne's World yeah. and uh, Austin Powers. But there was a time where he's the the fucking guy. He was Elvis. Yeah, he he's he's seemingly a very insulated individual and, and rightfully he, so. I worked with a guy who was a manager of this like bar restaurant down in Tribeca, kind of where I would assume he lived for a while. And he was like, Mike Myers is really nice. He he's just like he's just very like he like he liked that place because he could come in and even if people recognize him, they'd leave him alone. Of course, yeah. But he started to like he he was a DJ. He had a DJ night there. Oh. If you're so Fred people Armisen would come, that. come watch him spin records. I would assume because he's got good taste in music, but also it's like so he can see Mike Myers and like there's just this un written agreement with people like just leave him alone don't don't bother him it's got the steve harvey memo the steve harvey memo i don't know much about that i heard about like i know it's like on the internet is it some crazy hollywood like don't look me in the eyes thing all right here's my feeling and i'm i guess i'm a harvey apologist perhaps i like steve harvey a lot and that's a weird thing to say because I have no desire for any of his projects. I don't give a shit right. about it. He's got, and he's got a lot of them. I don't give a shit. Or, and you know what? Mm-hmm. What is interesting? I don't give a shit about anything he's ever done. His stand up career, any movies mm-hmm. perhaps he's made, um, his daytime TV show, Emmy Award winning daytime TV show. His. Because he does a show that's like Ellen, right? But it's him. Yes. And Just it's like very during... popular. It's called The he Steve Harvey Show. He has one of those shows you see at the doctor's office yes. in the afternoon. Or gotcha. if you're at home working from home now, it tends to be on in the background, off. But um, uh, he's he took over for this. Is so weird. It's such a weird. I say he took over for Cosby, and people would be like, "No, it's a different show." He took over Kids Say the Darndest Things or whatever that show is, because he's got that gotcha. on prime time where it's kids mm-hmm. that are talented, and then he yeah. hosts the Family Feud. I knew that. All of these things I could give a shit about. But every time I see like a little clip of him or like he's just so animated and over the top and seems so affable and likable that I just I like the guy. No, I agree. I I see him do that stuff and he doesn't wear it with contempt. Exactly. He genuinely enjoys his level of fame that he has. I would imagine he genuinely enjoys a daytime TV talk show. Like he doesn't look down on it. He's like, yeah, it's a gig. So here's throw my exactly back into it. And I, I think uh, I don't, I'm not, uh, not that I'm a good judge of anything, but for some reason with him, I feel that that comes across as genuine. Whereas sure. other actors in that light, I just, I get a tinge of, they're, it's show business. They're putting on the show. I just get a feeling mm-hmm. that he like struck it gold. Like he's like already very very successful comedian, and then yeah. he wedged him. He rightfully got himself in that door, that sweet sweetheart network door, and the dude's just mm-hmm. having a good time. That being said, 
from his response to this memo, and the memo is essentially like a 10-part memo that he emailed out to his entire staff for specifically his daytime show that said, from now on, starting this season, which is like the fifth season, no one is allowed to come in my dress. No, know that if you come in my dressing room, you will be removed. If you talk to me in my makeup chair, you will be asked to leave the makeup room. If you see me in the hallway, do not stop and talk to me in the hallway. And now, and that sounds harsh, right? And you know what? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll again go with my word of the day, preface it by saying that obviously it should it should have been drafted by any number of other people. He should have said, look, here's here's his response to it. He should have told somebody like an assistant, this is what's going yeah. on before doing it. His response was he had that affability and that um, open door policy and it started getting really, really abused the more and more the show got popular and he got popular. Sure. So he yeah. said by the time he got to this last season, he felt like a prisoner in his own studio set. And I know it's like boohoo, big problems, but he's like, people every single day started coming into my dressing room without knocking because we are friends and we are friends, but they come into my dressing room with family members or their friends saying, hey, so-and-so came to the show. They wanted to meet you. And he's like, and I could not walk down the hallway anymore without being stopped for a request for this or that. I could not have a moment in the makeup chair for the 15 minutes before I had to go out and get prepared for my show. Therefore, I wrote this memo in a sense of like explosion. Like it was like, I got pushed, I got pushed and I was getting pushed with a smile on my face when I Mm should have, um, said something earlier. And so he didn't apologize for the memo. He just said like, yeah, I should have said like, Hey, you know, I love and respect everybody that works on the show, but But I I feel I'm going crazy because I don't have my space. So I agree. I don't know how we got on there, but I will, I, in the sense, I kind of get what he's feeling because you just know. You know what? Just in this sense, here I'll I'll bring it on me in the smallest sense. In that I've had jobs where I've worked on the same block where I've had the job, and just that little bit of geography, I got a hundred times more calls than I should have. I saw a Michael Moore documentary. Did you know in Germany it's illegal for a an employer to call you after hours to contact you with email after hours? You can bring litigation against them because they want a complete separation of personal life and business life. Heaven. Sounds like heaven. It does, doesn't it? Just because I have that, and I'm not, this, this, I don't think this is a break because I don't think this is the best quality, because especially when it's uh, in overabundance, but I have that, like, I tend to, like, want to people please too much, and then that instantly pushes to, like, uh, you get taken advantage of, like, even no, if the other you... person doesn't know that's happening. And then in my own experience, I fucking let that shit go. And then I explode yeah. usually to my own detriment. It's not like a memo going out. Then I usually I just go, well, you know what? I'm never dealing with this person ever again for the rest of my life. And they're like, right. you I do thought something we were dra- drastic. Yes. You either snap at the completely wrong person. Right. Yeah. Or you just put a crazy lock on your door. Right. And something bad happens and they can't get you out of your, you know what I mean? Like it goes, I I get it. Like I will say even from, from me, I am a bartender and one of the biggest pet peeves in 
to me, and oh. I can't imagine being a performer having performed, like, I have my routine when I get there. I get there early enough to get everything done on time and still have time to be able to, like, do the bullshitting. Oh, fuck. But, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. When I come in, I'm listening to something, music, or most of the time a podcast. Yep. I, I'm on the clock, but I don't, I'm not on. I don't have to, like, I don't want to have to fucking talk to anybody. I agree. Because I'm doing something. Because you need your space. Because especially in this world, even when we're alone, we don't have any, we re, this, like, preface, we are not, like, this is not like a, um, the one, like, look at how important we are or how popular I am, because I'm not. I had, like, one Facebook click from my mom yesterday. And it was annoying because I got <laughs> yeah, a yeah. ding. And that's all I mean by that is in the yeah. general, in the world, uh-huh. no, in the free, in the Western world, no one is, no one is alone because everybody has their phone or their computer and everything's connected and you are constantly at the yeah. beck and call. And, and our culture has created um, such a set of rules and standards and whatever asshole set this, whatever needy motherfucker that set these mm-hmm. standards needs to be fucking shot because yeah. they needed to reply quick, quick, quick. And enough people did that for the standard to be like, when you get a text, you have to get back immediately, even if it's not right. an emergency. And 900% of the time now, it's not an emergency. It never is. But yeah. there's this like urgency now between people with emails and texts that like, we know, like, and you're like, I know that motherfucker has his phone or... I know that motherfucker clicked the side button on his phone to stop, like, Turn to it, send me to voicemail to, early. Yeah, people, you know oh, what? Yeah, no. Everybody has the right to do that shit because that shit gets fucking annoying, and everybody's got their own lives. And in the bigger, the macro aspect of it, you, which is micro to the macro, you listening to your headphones for that moment, even though now you're around people, is your own personal time, right? Like. Everybody yeah. deserves that shit. And if you don't get enough of it, you become so bogged down by it in the sense that you see somebody you know on the street and you're glad you're far enough to have seen them first so you can turn a corner before you even have to say hi, which is the only yeah. social norm that is that that even they would expect, right? But you're so sick of being inundated by um, people and conversation that you want to have none of it when you can avoid it. And the, sure. My yeah. I am the type of person I you, I would assume you're the same who has gotten off of a subway car and gone to a different one because I saw someone I knew and just wasn't didn't want a small talk but also didn't want to be on the same car and then pretend like I didn't see him. Oh god. Like yeah. I'll 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 miss a train. I I have to be able to read my book and not lo- lose that 15 minutes of just like whatever. Even that, if it's me fucking spitting, uh, spitting a pile of spit on the subway. Like, I just want that train time it. in New York. Uh, I, I, there's something different about New York because of the, the population, too. It's so important. I have been an hour late for work because I saw somebody I know go through the turnstile as I was like reaching the bottom of the stairs. And I said, all right, no way, because by the time they get through and I get through, we're on the same platform. We're going to see each other. There goes my half an hour of peace before I was like, fuck it. I'll just be late. And I hope and I know other people do that. And I I was so um, I don't always I'm not. No, saying I, no, like, no, I agree. I just there are those moments where you're like, ah, 
They don't I'm want going, it either. I'm going to work. I'm going. I'm not excited. It's early or it's late. I'm going to do something. I'm not necessarily like over the moon about. And I know I'm not going to be able. I'm not going to be a fucking bowl of laughs to talk to. There's a tier of friends that that's okay. You go, holy shit! I had no idea I would be running into you. And that's like we have. Mm-hmm more than enough conversation and topic points and catching up to do that will facilitate this half hour. Then there are those people which you are friends, but you are more, you're, you're nice and lubricated and you can have a nice conversation at a bar or a get together. But when you're both going to work and it's high, Mm. it's the, the social convention should be like, yeah. And it's weird. And no, it shouldn't be this because I had this and, Either way, it makes you feel bad. I've now let this go, but and I know I've shared this. I might have even shared on the podcast. Like the relationship we had at work at my last job was so much so that one time I was going to work and I got uh, onto a train and one of the floor managers was there or captains oh as they called in the restaurant. I got on it. He had his headphones in. He looked up, looked at me right in the eyes, acknowledged it, and then just went back to literally because he wasn't reading or anything but he had his headphones in just went back mm-hmm. to staring directly in front of him and i was just like and i was like hurt by that but as we that. have the conversation that's not fair i'm not in his headspace but you know no. what i'm sorry social convention does say like i guess a high is 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 appropriate there I don't a head know. nod yeah i take a, a head, head nod head nod work i take it like even that i'd be like yeah, I respect this man's decision. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it, but it was already like I everybody hated each other at that job anyway. So for the most part, oh, I don't that's, know. It's, that's that's so, that's so interesting because I'm I'm terrible at I really am terrible at returning phone calls and uh, getting back to I'm getting better getting back on emails and stuff. Yeah. Um, but you know what the truth is, I think. Uh, well, I guess right when I graduated high school or right when I was, I, I guess my twenties, 21 year, the same age, like that's right when mm-hmm. this shift happened to constantly yeah. being accessible all the time. When I was in high school, fuck yeah, I, I could talk on the phone for two hours. I got a oh little note God, by yeah. the phone that I had a missed call immediately. I dropped, sh- I dropped what I was doing, dropped sure. what I was doing to call somebody back. Even like my f- freshman year in college, like. I had a calling card to call home or friends from the dorm, but then yeah. after Christmas, I got a little crappy cell phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would, like, a whole, like, night, I'd be like, well, that's what I'm doing for four hours. Yeah. I'm calling my mom. I'm calling my friends. I'm calling. And you just talk for, f- but yeah, because that was, like, it was a novelty then, like, to be that connected. It w- yeah, yeah, yes. I was going to say not the novelty of... Yeah, it was, it was, but... I didn't have text on my phone so long, no. People used to give me creepy side-eye because I, they'd be like, oh, give me your number, I'll shoot you a text. And I was like, don't have text. They're like, what do you mean you don't have text? I was like, I don't, didn't pay for the text option because I was like, none of my... No one I know is sending texts, so why do I need it? And then after... And that was back when it was the but- button. If you want to, if you want to hit C, you got to hit one three times. Yes, 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 yes. I had that that flip phone. You know, it's it's in, we're we're steering. Uh, this is like the first time I I I, I was, uh, 
I hate to be, there's so many things I hate. And one of the things is, this is why you don't get on that train when you got nothing to offer when you see somebody, because the only thing yeah. I just offer is I go, how you doing? I go, I'm tired. <laughs> you know, that oh, sucks. Yeah. That, that's, that should be, again, there should be a social no. convention there when somebody says that you should get to uh, punch him in the arm, gut. I don't know. Yeah, there should be. I agree. It should be like if your response is I'm tired or woo the weather. Like, yeah. you know what? We should be able to just we're past just that. part ways. Yes. And then when I see you, I mean, because for us, it was just like being in that comedy scene, being in that performer scene. We saw the same people all the time and everybody we knew and would encounter kind of just did a, a thousand other things. Yes, of course. Yeah. So it was bing, bing, bing. So it's like we, we in essence, have a club meeting. Like everybody meets at these most likely at later it went was the creek in the cave like we hang out there two or two or three times a week so it's like i've i've spent all the time i need like we were doing what we love and like having a lot of fun conversations you don't want to talk to me when i'm hungover and probably going to be late for a job i didn't want to go to to begin with i should have just stayed in bed oh yeah yeah i yes exactly but that being said so but it's so interesting uh I just, I fuck, talk about like not being on top of things. I messed up and I thought I had a project due today at four, but I had uh -huh. it due last night, this morning at 4 a.m. So it was a 4 a.m. instead of a 4 p.m. And I don't know, something knew it, subconsciously knew it in my head because I, I like jolted out You're of like, bed. I should check that again. But like just randomly, I just kind of jolted out of bed. I fell asleep listening to a podcast and I, I like, something got me out of bed and I was like, oh, let me just talk about being connected let me click and see mm -hmm. i was waiting on an email for somebody and i checked these projects and i went oh fuck that's due in like three hours and it's going to take me about three hours to do it so i've been up since two i see that's <laughs> why you're tired it's tired but that being said uh it doesn't matter because you've taken me in so many this conversation is leading exactly to the anxiety drives that have gone through all week, like talking about cell phones. I like mm -hmm. finally made that decision. So perfect. I was like, finally I got another bill for my phone. Yeah. I won't get into money, but everybody I talk to about, talk about another boring conversation that I'm now bringing to you. Bills. Uh, bi <laughs> sleeping <laughs> bills. is uh, My cell phone is so goddamn expensive. And I, everybody I talk to is like, you should just get it hacked by the Mexican government like me. And I only pay $12 a month. And I was like, that's crazy. Like I was paying $120 a month for my cell phone. Right. And you just have a standard like. That's it. iPhone package, that, right? As standard as I, I swear to God, my uh, usage of minutes never goes over an hour for the month. Mm -hmm. And my data never goes <laughs> specifics. My data never goes <laughs> under two gigs. Over two gigs. Tell me, tell me about your data. <laughs> so anyway, so finally I took that jump, and this is just so perfect. Is I was like, I found a thing. It said, uh, we can, we can cut your bill in half, and this and this. I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna do it. So I went with a different provider. I'm going from Verizon. Made the made the deal. I went from Verizon to T-Mobile. And it literally cut the bill in half. Bills! It cut the bill in half. Mm -hmm. Holy shit, that's great. Uh, it cut the bill in half, and then the only thing I had to do is pay a registration fee. I had to 
update the phone to uh, mm-hmm. to make it a T-Mobile accessible phone. Um, I had to pay upfront the taxes on the phone and then get a reimbursement for a plan break, which came to about a total of $560, which in addition to what I, they will now have cut my bill per month, I'm going to be paying essentially around the exact same price. Oh, no. I just, I did the math. I went, oh, God damn. You can't win it's anything. It's the damn same. It's a fucking, that shit is a racket. I need like one of those real deal generic, like cricket elderly. Like, is that a real no, thing? No, like, totally. <laughs> I, I have to go into an, an AT&T store because I looked and you have seen my iPhone. It's the same one I've had yeah, since at and gave it to me. Yeah. So it only works for phone calls and texting. That's it. It's an iPhone 1, correct? Maybe 2. It's not. I think it's 2. Okay. So it's got the sweet bevel. It's heavy. Oh, I know it. I know it well. And yeah. you can drop the shit out of it, and it's fine. It's Which, fine. I could throw this at the wall, and it would still work. Um. So I went to check. I was like, I got this on a free upgrade. I was like, I'll just go to the website and check. The Seemingly, by the website, the only thing I can get yeah. is like a Cricket mobile flip phone from Sam Soyo. Not even <laughs> Samsung. Like some North Korean brand phone. And that I still have to pay 20 bucks for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, no way. No way. Yeah. I'm not paying money to get old technology to get $10 off my dumb bill. Or... Or I'm sending pigeons. I'm going back to pigeons. Do you know how much these? So we got. So not to get into specifics, but we updated, and now like Meg and I are in the same phone plan, and this and that, and we got um, upgraded. So we have like new phones coming, the new iPhones. We're pretty mm-hmm. good. We're not as good. Like if I could still have my iPhone two, I certainly would. But. Yeah. You have gotten you've gotten the tablets passed down from you from iMoses because <laughs> my, I, my iPhones really do last right on that planned obsolescence timeline. It's like, yeah, honestly, I've pushed it and I've gotten them. I got one to go for about three and a half years before mm-hmm. it literally just would not turn on anymore. It became a paperweight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And my my phone and the phone I have right now uh and Meg's is like coming up on like two and a half years and it's right at that point with the updates where it's just, you can't scroll on it. Like it's, it's, a, it's yeah. about to fizzle. So we did get the update. Do you know how much a phone is to pay out? Like an I, do you know how much a fucking, a new it's iPhone like, is? Like 17 grand. <laughs> $800. Oh and, shit. Like, so like, you're not getting the new ones. Like the. To get the new ones, it's like $1,500. No, that – all right. So to get an iPhone 7 with like the medium amount of gigabytes – gigs, bills. Gigs, get your gigs. Get How's your data. Gigs, How are gigs and bills, data, weather. Um, <laughs> is This has been Dad Talk with Hans and Casey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, speaking of How's dads, your lawn? I saw an episode of uh, Reading Rainbow, and I forgot my favorite dad item. And you you might be able to quantify if this is a dad item or not, or just an 80s. It might even be a cool guy item, but it is my most hated thing of all time, and I might have to get one. It's the black leather belt with pointy metal tip on the end. Ooh, is it braided? 
Uh, it could be you have braided or non-braided options, but as but, long yeah, as you have the, that bright silver pointy bullet point. tip yeah, on the, the end. little arrowhead on the yeah. end. Oh yeah. Usually they're a little too thick, like they they look a little bit feminine with how thick oh, they are. Oh yeah, no, it definitely does. Because then the buckle has to be bigger. Yes. To, to accommodate the the giant head of your belt, so you have this just big silver thing, and like the sil, it's like a it's like a leather it's belt, like dong. sterling like the silver, silver thing, like weights down, so like the head of the belt, like kind of flops over like a penis, like down near your left pocket. Because my memory, I don't know where it's from, but all I can see is like I don't know where, but like that braided. I'm thinking like dark brown. That big chunky metal end, like around the waist of a guy that's supposed to be skinny, but he's like pear shaped. So the belt is cinched. So he's got like two feet of belt. Yeah. Like that belt is tight, but it's around his hips and he's still got a fat gut. And then this long, like Indiana Jones whip leather belt. For some reason, the Crips and the Bloods, and I don't know what it was in Watertown, the the John Deere's. Like the the gang <laughs> the in Watertown, and maybe that was like a thing. Maybe I'm sure everything comes from somewhere. Maybe that was the hip thing in Compton was to have one of those braided belts, but like to Just have cinched. like an XXL. So you did like a loop knot around, so the 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 belt hung down between your legs like a floppy yeah. dink. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you remember that? Like that was like just the thing to have this floppy yes. belt. And usually like, there's like they, a baggy pants, the, like the big, yes. impossibly big pants. Yes, but the Echoes. belt is cinched around the the top of your thighs. Yes, so it's like so much belt is wasted. It's not even around your ass because you got the big boxers hanging out. Usually, those clothing styles uh, come for a reason. Usually, out of prison. Like the reason people wore their sags below their butt cheeks is because some big. Uh, top forced their their f- forced their forced lover to wear their pants like that to signify to other kept. inmates that they're mine. So you you're you're, so th- you're a tasty piece of horse flesh. <laughs> exactly. So that would have been me. Like, for- hey, you wear those butt cheeks out because I wrote <laughs> my name on your butt cheeks and I want everybody to see my name. <laughs> and somehow that gets conflagrated. <laughs> It's translated into the toughest dudes. Like, that's how Tupac wears his jeans. That's what I heard. Exactly. And so, like, like the belt thing probably came from prison, too, where that same guy's like, mm-hmm. hey, you wear my extra large belt so that belt looks like a dick. So it reminds you of my dick because you're mine. <laughs> you <Right>. know? <laughs> like, and he got these dumb kids. Because it is. It's like the fashion gets past the way old tales used to get past. So yes. things get like, you know, you, you sag your pants a little and you wear your belt a little loose. And then the further it gets away from the coasts to the Midwest, the more it gets like over the top. And it's like, you got to have the big long belt and have it here. And it's like, no, you look like a cartoon character. That's what I heard, though. But may- maybe and but also maybe there's like some like utility to it. Like, nope, you have an extra long belt. Because once you have visitation time, you smuggle crystal meth in your butthole, and then with this extra long belt, you put a little gum on the end of the gum and a fish hook. Fish it out like you put, you put it on in and get that little bag of drugs out. <laughs> I was just gonna say, like, strategically it doesn't do you any good because it's the belt is right at a 
a point where like if you're like I'm gonna fuck you up, Hans, oh, you just yank that belt. You. Oh and, yeah, and they, you tip tip them over. You're it's like done. tag football, tackle. It's like, whatever that's called, flag football. It's like lassoing a calf. You get him right around the hips, and he goes over. That's why I'm thinking it it does have to do with that. Uh, get that, over here. that bull calf dynamic in the old prison yard. <laughs> if that's a real thing, it's like that great. Oh, uh, like I, I love how I plug things on here that don't need plugging. It's like that great bit in Norm Macdonald's movie, um, Dirty Work, uh, and he has an amazing new special on Netflix right now called Hitler's Dog. But he has that bit uh, where they get they get sent to, they get sent to prison, and uh, it's him and Artie Lang and Norm Macdonald's like this is the worst. You know what they do to people in prison? He's like here. He's like what? He's like, yeah, you know what happens in prison? He goes, what happens in prison? He goes, tell me. What do you mean? And he whispers something in his ear. He goes, I never heard that. He goes, how have you never heard that? That's the only thing people say about (laughs) prison. He's like, I don't think so. And then, like, of course, Artie Lang comes at the next, like, that's a time lapse, and Artie comes out of prison, right? And he's like, ah, it wasn't so bad. And Norm just comes out, like, shaking. And oh, it's so good. The, the behavior in there, it's, it's, it's just ridiculous. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's ridiculous. That bit. The, the, but the anal sex, that's the worst part. That's the worst part. <laughs> that kind of leads me to all the way back where we were going, or where we started with Mike Myers. And yeah. SNL, and then to, oh shit, to Norm MacDonald, who was on SNL, to a movie I saw on Netflix that's loosely based with, it loosely has a, sh- well, no, that has SNL essentially in it, but it's called um, Weekend Live, and it's a, sh- and it's a movie it. by Mark Mike Birbiglia called Don't Think Twice, oh. Casey, if I tell you, I can't think of the last movie I saw that Keenan filled Michael me with Key such- uh, Michael Keegan Key, am I saying that his name right? Yeah, right? the taller guy, the taller skinny guy. Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. I can't like he's fantastic. Michael Keegan Key, Key, I think. Michael Keegan Key, but yeah, I feel like we're somewhere. Yeah, I think that's it. Because it's Jordan Peele is the other one. Jordan Peele's the other guy in that in and their their duo, if if that's still a thing. Um, but uh, so the movie is if you lived in New York and had any affiliation with the comedy scene here in the last decade. So much of it is like so relatable, even if you weren't an improv. And and so there's a, it starts off with this improv troupe and Mm -hmm. they are at the UCB. There's no doubt about it, but it's called like American. They're the, the, the improv Olympic or something. And I think that's even a thing, but it's called like a thing. Yeah. It it has a different name, but it, it you you see the the state it's it's the UCB. They they I think they shot in LA, but it doesn't matter. It's the UCB, and it starts mm-hmm. off with this improv troupe. And there's gonna be spoilers here. Nah, yeah, probably not. But it's not like the spoiler kind of movie. Yeah, and, UCB and, is the Upright Citizens Brigade, a, a comedy theater in New York. In yeah. Angeles. So it starts with this uh, improv theater and this improv troupe called the Commune. And they're like the shit of improv troops at this theater, right? They've been okay. the, the improv troupe for 10 years. Their shows are always sold out because they're at the UCB. They've had members that have gone on to be very successful. The guy who started it has just braced that edge of mm-hmm. success, but yeah. not quite gotten it. So he knows everybody. He auditioned for Saturday Night Live. They call it Weekend Live. He didn't get it. 
That was eight years ago. Now he's 36. He's been a teacher at this improv place. So he's like the big dick at the improv place. Um, Now this theater is about to go out of business because they lose their lease or whatever. And randomly somebody comes from Weekend Live to see their show. And two of them get selected for auditions. One of them's Keegan-Michael mm-hmm. Key, and, and I don't need to go into certain dynamics, but he ends up getting the show. And mm-hmm. it just shows how this little bit of success implodes this tight-knit improv group. Oh, gotcha. Sure. And the feeling that it gets, like, because, and there's, and it's no one's fault, except for it's just, like, the one guy who's been doing it forever, who was actually this guy who made it, his first teacher, feels entitled that this guy should do all he can to get him a shot at the show or like, and everybody in his group gives him writer's packets. And this guy to his own credit is like, I'm going to do what I can. So he talks to his writing partner. It's set up the same way as SNL, where if you know, like SNL, it's like a writer gets teamed up with a cast member and they share an office. So he gets teamed up with this writer. He's like, Hey, I was wondering if I could talk to Paul, Lorne Michaels, um, maybe about getting like a comedy packet for one of my friends. He's like, do not talk to Lorne Michaels quotes. Do not talk to Lorne Michaels about your funny friends. Like, what are you doing? He's like, it's your first year here. Try not to get fired. And then to his credit, even later on, like he's been there, like he's had a pretty successful year. He still talks to Lorne Michaels and like gives him these packets. And I was like, I just kept putting myself in this situation. Cause we've had friends that like have gotten mm-hmm. successful. Nobody like within, uh, our group or anything, but like <coughs> never in this sense, but I can just see you cause you can feel that you could feel like resentment within like the sure. scene and the way people would talk shit about somebody that they didn't feel deserve it or had the right work ethic or wow, they hit really young and you just made you feel queasy. And then you would also hear this nepotism that in my mind, I was always like, that shit's not happening. Be like, yeah, yeah, I'll put in a good word for you. No, you're not. Because that jeopardizes your own career. And when I was even yeah. seeing this guy, I was like, wow, though, I know it's a movie, but I, I got too invested. It was like, it was too close to home. And I was like, out. wow, he great. put like this writing packet down on Lorne Michaels' desk. And he's like, uh, you need to worry about you right now. You're what we call a group performer, not a uh, rising savant star. I'm cutting you from mm-hmm. this sketch, by the way. And he was just, I was just like, ugh. Like, why would he even like, I don't think, I don't think that's a real thing, by the way. Like, good for that character to show conviction. But yeah, uh, totally understandably, he should have been like, oh, don't do that because that jeopardizes like how hard I work to get here. Okay, that's fine. But at the same time, he's put in this place where they shows all yeah. these separate scenes where he's talking to his friends and they're like, yeah, so, you know, just when you can get that writing packet, no pressure. And he doesn't want to be the bad guy. And he does totally. genuinely want to support his friends. And he's just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, it goes I'll, back I'll do my best, but I want to, I want to like give support to everybody in the group now, you know, like, like the Steve Harvey thing we were just talking about, like, that's just a microcosm. Yes. Like, yeah. That's a guy who got his foot in the door. So it's like, well, your foot's in the door. You gotta, you gotta help out your bros and sisters. You gotta get the rest of us in. Not everybody thinks that way, but a lot of people do. Yeah. And you know what the truth of that is, is that I, I, uh, in my deluded brain, 
Who knows? I do have a short list of people that, like, essentially, no matter what happens, if anything fortuitous comes that, like, creatively can happen in a group setting, yes. But that doesn't mean oh, totally. if, some, if something individual happens, like, you have to ride that shit out. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, Seth Rogen got a couple gigs that were specifically focused on him, but he always had the, I mean, he might be a bad example. He always had this tier of friends. And as soon as he hit that point, you don't sure. see a project that happened. Meg and I watched sausage party last night. Yeah. You don't see a project that happens without this group to the point where I've no. even heard in an interview where he was like, Jonah Hill was saying something like, Hey, I got this like offer to do transformers three. And he was like, don't do that shit. He's like, no, yeah. but it's a chance to work with. He's like, don't, We'll write Transmorphers 9 and we'll yeah. have total control over something. He's like, we are in a position to do it all for ourselves. So, But you have to um, – what I'm saying is you have to get yourself into that – hopefully no, that position a, he's first. He's a perfect example because he is the exact perfect person. He is A, like – He's a performer, but at heart, like he's a writer. He's a creator. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He got he got his he got famous as a performer, but always in the back of his head, he was always working on something. He and his friends were always talking about something. So it's perfect. Like he's like, okay, I got to do this. I'll be in these movies. He got he worked with Judd Apatow, who's who's the, of a similar cut from the same cloth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So the, the, the meeting is perfect, and then it's like. They work together. Seth Rogen becomes Seth Rogen, and then the, the then they make Superbad, which is the movie he wrote with his best friend, who now he who now they write and are executive producers of Preacher, which yeah, is my exactly. favorite comic book, and is one of my favorite shows. Yeah, it is one of my favorites. Yeah, exactly. That's the first example. Yeah, and I didn't even think of that. His writing partner Evan Goldberg was not James Franco, was not Jonah Hill, was not on-screen talent or whatever like and and they wrote that you're right when they were well again it's an interesting example because seth rogan had his opportunities so young but they didn't hit until they really had that opportunity and you, he didn't he didn't use that cachet right until he he had it to spend yeah he yeah didn't exactly spend it until he knew he had something mm -hmm. he didn't just come in and go hey i'm on your show now get my friend you know like it's a really interesting dynamic because it sounds like uh, Key's character is that – and like you know, we know that because we've read the SNL books. We watch the show. We're definitely nerds for that art form of like creating sketch comedy. It's like they're like – there are the performer people who just are the face. Yeah, yeah. Sort of like, like a Will Ferrell, like a Mike Myers. Both very creative, talented people, but they are – and Adam Sandler, like super funny, Chris Farley, even like super funny performers who are backed up by these like super talented writers. And then you have sort of the flukes that do both. Sure. Like of doing both. And it's just like an actor versus a writer. Like there aren't a ton of like actor writers in Hollywood or anywhere, really. You know, that's a good point. I never. Yeah. You have to be able to like Bob Odenkirk is one of my favorite performers creators writers of all time and he's in better call saul which is superb it's an excellent show he doesn't write it yeah he true. just full-on is saul goodman he i've heard him talk about his um i guess this was breaking bad and they were more um uh, with withdrawn with withholding of the scripts or whatever but he was like that's just how i got into that character he's like 
they didn't give me the script and I just said, cool. So I rolled with it when I got it. And like, yeah, he wasn't, I was going to say, that's why I, um, I, uh, that's such an interesting, uh, point you make about the, the writer slash, um, actors, because I've insulated myself with the people that I really like to watch tend to be those tandemics tend to be the guys who write and perform. So now that you mentioned, I was like, Oh yeah, I pretty much am just drawn predominantly to those people. But once you want, so, and so that's like a fallacy. So when I see something like Sandy Wexler, I forget to, um, separate that there's disassociate like Adam Sandler didn't write it. He greenlit it. He's in it. (laughs) And I should always, we do that with our other podcast. Have a good night cart. Like, as a writer myself, I should always be taking time to, um, I, I, I do all right, but uh, to, to say who wrote that and what else did they write, especially with something I like. Mm-hmm. But there's often times, just now that we're talking about it, that I don't even uh, take that time. It's, anyways, uh, don't think twice, man. If you, if you, it's very, very real if you're in the comedy scene of it and has seen anybody. Uh, been or a good, it sounds like success. a good a good insight into what it would be like if you are not. Yeah, yeah, and then just that, like you know, so many people. Like we were talking about, like shithead comics with back pills, like last week. Like they were like, as a group, we're at, oh my god, this is the best part, Casey, because this is where mm-hmm. I called it going. Is so the theater's closing, and these guys are. Um, I'm going to put a reference out there and nobody's going to get it, but like death by Ruru status at the UCB. They're the yeah, yeah. improv troupe. No matter what, their show's always sold out. Yep. Um, yep, yep. And they're at the UCB, the premier improv theater. So th- that's what the commune is. So what, mm-hmm. what happens is this theater closes down and as they're doing their last show, they go, their last sold out show, right? They go, we're moving space. So they made an agreement with a theater uptown, a regular theater. They're going to have an improv night there. They make the announcement to the, that's not a comedy theater to this, their, their audience are like, you know, we're going to be having the show. Tickets are a little more expensive and it's a little farther uptown, but, um, you know, same, we're, st- same we're, quality. St- we're starting, same stuff. we're starting a new movement. It's going to be great. And I don't know if you can call it, but I called him. I went, Oh, next cut is going to be them at that show with two people at a table. Two people. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. And it was, and it was the two people at the table were the owners of the old theater. And I was just like, that is so true perfect. and right on because they were in, they had been lulled into this false sense that people were there to see them, but people were there to be part of an institution. No, and I will say we had there, we had one show at the UCB. Where I full, where we full, in my opinion, got a taste of just what the building, the name, and if you do well within these walls, you are vaunted higher than you are actually in reality. Yes, how yes. you can get lulled in. We did a, it was, I think it was called Sketch Battle or Backyard Brawl. Backyard, I, I have it, so it's um, interesting we're talking about. It. I can, post I think it was the because it the has last, laughs. It's the, and it's a cool show. You submit. You're like, hey, and we got what twenty minutes, maybe, or was a half hour? Because uh, it I'm was, like, a, I think it was an hour long show, maybe twenty five minutes each. Twenty five minutes. Some you with each an get, intermission. Well, the way it worked is the sketch. The way the show worked is I can remember it. the The premise of the show is sketch battle. Two sketch groups go back to back, and then at the end, the audience votes. Votes, and then the one team moves on, and the other one's eliminated. Mm-hmm. 
And so, so there's uh, like a defending champion every week, and then a new one comes, and if you dethrone them, you know. I don't know if it was weekly or monthly. Actually, might have been a monthly thing. But uh, either way, it was like Friday night at like seven, like a prime time spot. Friday night show at seven, half an hour opener, established opener. Yeah. She was great, yeah, and yeah. she's on Meg. Meg always references her because she's like sees her on all this like these amazing shows, and she's a great actress. Why would I even bring it up? Because I don't know who she is. Anyways, so seven thirty, you get like a really sweet opening, and tickets act. are super cheap. They're like five tickets bucks. are five bucks, and, and like the PBRs are a dollar. Yeah, exactly. So it's a perfect like we just got out of work. Let's go do something. And then go get loaded and go home. Oh, and again, we we it cannot be emphasized enough that it's the UCB and it's an institution. And no matter what show is going on on a Friday night at seven o'clock, and this Someone's this coming. this talks this talks against us, but that's that false sense of pride no, or but ego that's what this of place success. Will do to you, it will have a line out the door to the point where people will get turned away. Always, I was there for mm-hmm. a show of Justies. And while his show's show was established and had people there to actually see the show, his show there was a line that people like got turned away. Meg and I, mm-hmm. I had to stand for the show. You know, it's a cool space. It's weird. It's in a basement. It's below a Gristidis, which is a, a supermarket. And you walk in, you go downstairs, and they have memorabilia from the original Comedy Central Pride Citizens Brigade show, and then like casts of past shows, and there are people on SNL, people, famous people. So it's a cool spot, and like we said, it's in a basement. It's a cool basement theater. So it like primetime spot, head to head. Um. Anyways, like we we do our. I think we went first. Well, no, um, I I have the sorry to cut you off, but like the way the the setup, the actual backyard brawl setup was, is we do a sketch, they do a sketch, we do a sketch, they do a sketch. I had forgotten mm, that was what it was like. Oh, too, that's right. I, I thought we each did chunks but you're right it was one yeah, to one it went back and forth and that's why i think we each got to do three sketches and so we were going up against these defending champs i'll put something up still it doesn't matter sketch comedy is pretty hard to watch yeah. as it is so it won't matter but uh i'll, but I'll kick it back over to you just like you go out and you're like okay we got it, it everybody that was there wanted to be there they weren't asked. They weren't arm twisted. They weren't Facebook notifi- notified to death. They weren't obligated because they said no to somebody ten times. Yeah, and then yeah. like you know we've done those shows, of and course. then they're like we're surprised how funny you were. Like these people showed up. They're like we want to see something funny. Make us laugh. We're here. We're drinking. Everyone there was there for a good time. They're in a building that they're just like we're going to see amazing comedy. Yeah. So they're in the right mindset. So we go. And we did a really good job. Like, we did some of the best sketches we had, and we lost the vote. It was close. That's chicken or the egg, though, Casey. I got to tell you, because of what you were just saying, like, yes, everybody was there, like, please make us laugh, but everybody was primed for it. Like, everybody Juice. wanted that's what I'm to saying. laugh, like, that's why which isn't a negative thing. Going to a comedy show to want to laugh isn't a negative thing, but oftentimes there's there's even comedy specific theaters where the attitude isn't I'm going and I know I'm gonna laugh and I'm gonna have a good time. the The onus on is on the space. Like you motherfucker, I came all the way out to Bushwick, gave five dollars. I just paid ten dollars for a cocktail. 
you better make me laugh or am I going to go, am I going to shrug my shoulders and go indie comedy? Like there's, sure, yeah. there's, there is a difference. And, and yes, by the way, I, 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 I don't know. I do know that as far as the multitude of shows we had, everything did seem to be clicking. Cause we've also had shows that haven't gone great in front of a lot of people, like at the Milwaukee mm-hmm. sketch fest, we had a shitty yeah. time slot, but the room was we pretty did- much full a good show we did good there nothing was on us with that because we were practiced we were ready we didn't screw up we did the sketches as best as they could be done and the room yeah was tepid oh you're talking about milwaukee you're talking about milwaukee for everybody yeah yeah oh yeah yeah. oh yeah yeah, so i'm saying this was the same scenario like we had we were ready we were rehearsed nothing happened during the sketch nothing like they went as well as they could ever be go. Like we couldn't make them go any better. Can I preface it? Cause it kind of making it sound like, like exactly like what we're talking about that. Uh, um, this isn't us saying that we're this great scratch group. This is us saying that, um, uh, we're getting back into what that theater and that Space environment can lull you into. Can you imagine having that feeling every Friday night? You know what I mean? Yeah, you would, you're like, where's like SNL? Here I come. Yes, but the, the, I guarantee you that same exact show. If you go across town and try and do it at the, I, the old Rattlesnake Grove, you know, like new pop up mm-hmm. comedy, like new pop up bar yeah. that's not gonna have comedy. You're just not gonna have that crowd, and no. people aren't gonna. People just. I don't know. I this sounds bitter, but it's just tr- it's exactly what the UCB is meant and supposed to be. Like they, uh, that's the thing they've done. They've never straight whatever you think about that space. They have never strayed away or lied to you about what they are. They've always been a comedy theater first. They serve drinks. Oh yeah. They also provide. They right. also provide classes. But yeah. they've never done like they don't serve fifteen dollar cocktails. They don't Tickets pay the comics. They don't pay to have comics come. Exorbitant. Yeah. Like it's five bucks. Maybe the premium shows are ten fifteen. But those are shows Maybe. where you're gonna get to see like Amy Poehler. Or they used to be. I'm I'm speaking about at the time. Yeah. So they never straight away Ooh. how they make their money is on people paying for classes. And those classes right. aren't cheap. No. But yeah. what they also don't do is they also don't like sort of Go, okay, I know what we, – we pack the space. People love it. You get juiced. They they thrive. They let people thrive on that. Like, I'm going to take two classes here, get a couple shows, be on SNL. Like, they don't stop you. F- they don't let you know how actually hard it is. Oh, Like, sure, how much yeah. work is involved. Yeah. They want the weekend warrior who's going to drop $500 on a, on a class for a couple months. And true, as Hans said, they don't pay the comics, whatever. So the space is exactly what it is. They have set it up so when people walk through these doors, they are ready to fucking rock and roll. Especially when it's not a bringer show where you're not bringing anybody. Yeah. You want to bring your people, but most of the people in the audience aren't people that you know. So you just, it goes, like, it went well. Every Both teams, like, it went well, and it's just... Woo. So that getting back to that, like I could, if you did that every week, cause we were leaving and unloading, I was out front. There was a stretch limo out front and just a group of bros like chanting 
like yeah. one of the one titular of the, of the sketches we did yeah from our sketch and they're like you got you got robbed dude i love that skit second mcgundy so like get the, up you sponge and they were like come on let's go we're gonna party and like got in the they're like come on over and i was like i gotta do this stuff it's like we're gonna you know it says dudes like bachelor party so they went and did this so they're just these dudes are ready to rock and roll stretch limo get in they're like you coming with we're going i was like no no they're like well, we're all doing shots so it was just this like just rant like random dudes are like you're the guy from that sketch that was the best thing i've ever seen like at that moment you know and they're like quoting you in a it's just was surreal it's a surreal yeah, thing a so cool i can't feeling. imagine if that was your every week how you would be so insulated from actual reality well, all right, there you go. Now magnify that even more. This is getting a little bit, this is getting off of where we were of like just that, like that feeling of like, and it's in and, and the sense, like, cause I, I guarantee you the next show here, we'll take it down. The next show we yeah. did were the exact same sketches at a different mm-hmm. comedy oh, yeah. theater for my girlfriend and uh, Greg Stone's dad, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but now no, magnify totally. that feeling and those people saying, I love that sketch quote magnify it to being on Saturday night live and going mm-hmm. out your door on Monday and feeling that like everywhere you go and then take sure. it back, magnify that to being the guy on yeah. the show with the movie Mike Myers. And now you understand sure. now we kind of get back to every why this guy every wears day. a hood over his Someone wants Face. something from you. Yeah. They want something from you. At the very least, it's your time. Yeah. Which is fine, but it's precious. You know, like, it's precious. And at the worst, they're like, Mike Myers, read my script. Ugh. Mike Myers, make me famous. Yeah. Mike Myers, put me in a movie. Mike Myers, you have more money than you know what to do with. Mike Myers, promote can I have, my thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the I hate to harp on this. One of the hardest parts of this movie to watch is uh, Keegan Michael Key wants to get his character wants to get. Um, he asks his friend, he's like, "Well, how can I get like Lorne to a show or like the Bookers to the show?" And he's like, "You can't stop trying to help your friends." And oh, by the way, his friend is his co-writer from the show is played so perfectly. By one of the guys from the Birthday Boys, he just plays this snarky writer. Like on S, he's just he's got like the clear framed glasses. He's just mm-hmm. he's got like four lines, and you just he he's just a such a sniveling piece of shit. Like you just want to oh, strangle awesome. him just because he's a cynical yeah. fucking comic who's just hustling with his head down doing his job. Yeah. He kind of reminds a jo- me he's he's a jobber joke writer. He reminds he, me of probably what it was like to be around. Uh, Conan O'Brien or Bob Odenkirk at that show. They're not gonna. Mm-hmm. They're they don't have time for you to say how can I get my friends on the. They go fuck you. I'm writing. I'm sitting at my right desk writing jokes, trying to get yeah. them on air because I'm trying to get as many jokes out there as possible. Because I worked my ass. I did not get somebody to get my A writing packet here. Thing to think like, if your friend gets hired, that's my job. I yeah. lose my job for your friend, so your oh, friend can yeah. go fuck himself. Oh yeah, like any other. Like there are job. only so many spots. Like so to ask somebody, like, "Hey, can I send a writer's packet up the?" No, fuck you. Yeah, I am here. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want my friends to lose their jobs. Yeah, figure it out. 
one of the parts. Anyways, he's like, so how can I get? He's like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe if you get the host to agree to go see the show, then one of the people from Weekend Live will go with them to see it. So he gets yeah. Ben Stiller to come see his friend's shitty improv. Well, the it's oh, it still is the improv show so in New York, good. but he gets Ben Stiller to come. And they, I'm telling you, Casey, this Ben Stiller's place, perfect. He's the, the perfect person for that. Yes, they have. Um, I love Ben Stiller, by the way. He's great. He gets a lot of shit, I feel, for some reason. Because he's successful. Anyways, I don't want to just keep going off on these. He, They have this uh, movie and the set's down so perfect. That was probably part of it because they go hang out at the exact SNL bar. Uh, the one mm-hmm. down on um, 17. Oh, McManus? McManus, Peter McManus. doesn't say Peter McManus, but they don't have to say anything like you, you just, just go, know, oh, yeah. that's it. Oh, wow, that's perfect. And this is a bar where people would go and hang out after SNL, like more so after like like during the week, like after like a long day and like they just go hang out. They go there and after the show, he brings Ben Stiller to the show. It's after this guy, Keegan-Michael Key, has gotten some acclaim on Weekend Live and it's his first time back performing with his sketch or improv troupe. So what happens? They all get on stage and they set up their improv like, who's had a bad day today? Can we get a suggestion? And they just start shouting out like, do the ticket taker guy. And like, they can't get going until he comes out and like, get your tickets here. He has to like do his character. And then one, they're like, can we get another suggestion? Somebody just shouts out, Ben Stiller. (laughs) They go, yeah, that's, that's who's in the audience. That's not even the part that's uncomfortable. The part that's uncomfortable is they go to that bar after the show and this, uh, Keegan's character brings Ben Stiller to meet his friends and they're all sitting at a table and they're comedy nerds, right? Mm-hmm. So they're just so horribly awkward and they have questions like, so like, honestly, I just got to ask, uh, when you were writing for the Ben Stiller show, you came up with this idea for the sketch and he's just yeah. like, wow, yeah, probably that was the idea. That was really a long time ago. And then once somebody goes like, I just got to ask, like when you wake up in the morning, do you just have to say like, wow, I'm Ben Stiller. And he's just like, I, I'm, I, and I was just like, oh, that feeling. And then he pulls the perfect mover. He's like, yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, where's the bat is the bathroom? I'll be back dudes. I got a bathroom. And like, they're all like jockeying to see who he'll sit next to. And the other guys like stop embarrassing me in front of Ben Stiller. Like, it's just, it was look at look it's still affecting me. My palms are sweating. Like, and we've been talking about it for <laughs> this is this is bitch comedy cast. Like, anyways, I guess I guess you'll all have to go watch that movie now, and, and it's streaming on Netflix. So, lucky you. It is good, and 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 you're better off for it because Mike Birbiglia. I didn't even talk about him. He's great in it, and he's just. I don't know if you saw his first movie, Sleepwalk With Me. Yeah, it's it's good. amazing. He's an awesome filmmaker, and he's really... Oh, talk about writer-performer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if... Yeah, he's a writer-performer, and it doesn't matter if you put writer before performance, but he's, also, a, he's, he's a hell he's of a fanta- writer. He's fantastic in um, Orange is the New Black. I oh, See, I haven't really seen that show. So we're checking out. He has a part in later seasons where he is like... Uh, it's not really a spoiler, but the prison they're all at gets taken over by a corporation which is a like a lot of prisons in this country they're of course corporate yeah, endeavors so he is like the liaison with the head of the company yeah so he's just God. he does such a great job as this like he's a gross, fake right 
middle management sort of, oh, yeah, man. So, like, he has to deal with the warden because the warden's like, we need money for X, Y, and Z. And he has to go to the board and ask for it. And they're, you know, like, no. so he has to just, he's just like, nope, nope. Like, any sort of, like, corp- if you've had any sort of corporate job, he's like that middling guy between where you're at and higher corporate. And he does such a good job because it could be an insufferable part, but he just imbues it with humanity at certain points when you're just like this. I hope this guy fucking dies. Take it back to UCB. Our buddy Justy had a had a as as crane operator one in that in that show. Oh, he, that's right. He was in that. Yeah. yeah. The you know I guess I've had a lot of talk about living a life worth talking about. I lived a life worth watching. Movie. Did you know that Mel Gibson was in a 1979 movie with uh, not Pia Sidora with uh, who was it? Doesn't matter. It's called Tim. Have you ever heard of the movie Tim? No, and we can take it back to um, uh, Ben Stiller to his uh, parody "Simple Jack." Oh God! Did Is you? <laughs> yes, he plays a mentally disabled, disabledly challenged, whatever it is, a handyman who is taken in by this horny widow in Manhattan in 1979. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Yummy! I wish I could think of her name, but it's like perfect. Like he like. Has messy hair and like oh God, and it's young Mel Gibson. Open, yeah, and it's young Mel Gibson in 1979. And as soon as I saw it, I went, "What is this? Is that Mel Gibson? What is the name of this movie? Tim? Why haven't I heard it? Why haven't I heard of a Mel Gibson movie where he's a principal character? Because that was under wraps until he got in trouble, and they're like, we're bringing Tim back. Well, it's terrible." Like, that's why you don't know it. When you see a movie yeah. with a star you like, and you've never heard of it, and you've it's it's lived awful. on this planet long enough, it's really, really bad. Tim is really, how many, really bad. How many of us rubes have seen Rubber Face? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The Going Jim berserk. Carrey vehicle. Nin- once Bitten. Neighbors. Once bitten is a good one. Neighbors. Nick of Time. Yes. I saw that. I, I think you had mentioned it last week, and I saw yeah. it, that it's available on Amazon, and I almost clicked it out of spite, but I, I your face wafted over me like it was the ghost of Deppy past, and I said, <laughs> don't, don't do it, don't. You'll you never just, get you just that, tried to watch Tim. You'll never get that nick of time back. Oh, God. I watched the craziest uh, it's not it's not what it haunts watch. It is what it haunt, did haunts watch podcast, mm. but- <laughs> let's 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 nipper in in the old budinsky um fuck what else is what else is going on oh i taught some i i, I was talking last week uh yeah. about how i was gonna go teach a, a yoga class the pregnant for women right mo- mo- not pregnant for mothers and their, mothers. their infants yeah. and i did that and it was actually really great everybody was was really nice the baby like we all had a lot of fun it's interesting they came but, around to you now that you're in the driver's seat. They, yeah, they got some authority. I had to, I had to pick the biggest baby and give it a slap to let him know who's Ross. Right I had to his... find the biggest one, knock that lunch tray <laughs> out of its hand. No, but I will say this: I'm a little nervous about like, uh, like I have no um, what's the word? Not faculty. So right as we started doing yoga, this baby shit its pants in the loudest wettest comical Monty Python add the Monty Python app to your keyboard fart that like I was like was that a 
was that a fart? Like, or was did it like a baby like give a raspberry on the mat? They're like, yeah. they're like, yeah. oh, that wasn't a fart. And that it was, was fine. I was laughing about it. I was like, yeah, that's cool. Like, fuck, everybody fart. Like, uh, I didn't say fuck, but I did say, like, everybody just let loose now. Like, she opened the gate. But, <laughs> but that noise and that wet pudding sound stayed with me all the way. I taught this class at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I had stuff to do all day. I didn't get a chance to eat till like, midnight. And I couldn't eat my food. Because it was just that perfect pitch perfect it It was was like the brown note it was that rich and wet sounding and i was eating spinach rice and beans and that that music hit my ears and and i'm like a fat fuck like when i have a plate of food i eat it it was the first time in the longest time i can remember where like I i shared about like the putting like flinging the dog shit near my stew bowl you and were, like, yeah. I kept, I just shoved that aside and kept eating. But something about this, I was like, fuck, if there was ever to be a baby in my life, I would be like, that would be the shittiest, filthiest, diapered Hans is going to dad jail. Cause I don't think I could change <laughs> right. diaper or yeah, I would just eat. never eat again. It would be like thinner. That'd be my personal thing. No, you'd, you'd just be like Pavlov's dog. You'd be conditioned to like, oh, stinks. Gotta eat. <laughs> gotta eat first. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> just be, it's like. We gotta eat before I change this diaper. I can't eat afterwards. Oh God! Or I'd have to like, yeah, just suck on like frozen bouillon or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It was so gross. It was funny. Like that's the best thing ever. Like just this baby taking this right in front of my face. Just a big old shit. (laughs) That's why it's funny because it was just completely unfettered. It wasn't like just like a just a fun toot like that. There was like poop involved like that's oh. why the, it sounded so perfect yeah yeah you've never heard of because it was like that. a mess it was yeah it was and no grown person would let a loud one go because they're like i'm gonna shit my pants if i fart this kid's like i don't give a fuck if a if a man did that at our age <laughs> he should kill himself like if he did that in public you he should have killed himself last year because you've he's given up on you know he's yeah he's, what he 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 was he was in episode seven of Night Court. He got a lint yeah, roller. What, you got a diaper. You got a bullet. Leads him up to the like all the choices before that point are also terrible ones too. So many like wherever that turn is, it's beautiful. I do. I am. I I well. Everybody's got their things. You just deal with it. I am yeah. blessed to have gotten to avoid the. I I know a few people that were are very comfortable with the amount of times they've shit their pants. And I get that that stuff happens, but sure. those yeah, yeah. people are always the people that act surprised when that comes up. And you're like, no, you know what? I guess I shit my pants when I was like, I don't know, like four or five. And they're like, what do you mean? You haven't shit your pants recently? Like, right. They this- get offended that it's been so long for you. Yeah. And it's like, well, how often do you shit your pants? It's like you told someone you hadn't eaten a salad in five years. It's like, wait, what? You haven't eaten a salad in five years? <laughs> no, no, no nutrients. I- yeah, shit. I don't know, like how, like, because I've gotten to like the point where, like, I, I remember one time I was racing home, uh, uh, because I had to piss so bad. I had to piss the before I was waiting for the train. I had to mm-hmm. come from Manhattan to the city, and I literally made it to putting my keys in the door, and I just didn't you let a little piss go. Anymore. Just let the whole, just yeah. pissed my pants stop stop trying to even open the door 
And that was like, no one was around. I was already home. I just had to take one step into the door mm-hmm. and put my shit in the, in the wash tub and rinse it off or whatever. And that was like, fucking, what did I do with my life, you know? Sure, so if I yeah, shit yeah. myself in a movie theater? <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I love it. That should be a movie theater. Should be. Double feature. Movie theater, restaurant. Yeah. Like, where's the, where can you ruin the most people's day? But again, that's judgment. Like, I have a buddy, and he'll love this, who I love, I love um, casual uh, being casual in the face of disaster too. I had a friend and we were <laughs> refereeing soccer. We were like in grade school, so it doesn't matter. And I don't know if he had a, like a, a bad gas station chili dog or something, but like, we're just walking away and we're walking by Um, in, I think this is where we were. I'm pretty sure by the cowboy three, this is Watertown mm-hmm. deep reference by a gas station in Watertown where we grew up. We call, there were three cowboys and they were, they were like meeting points that we all knew where they were. And this is where we'd gather or like I'm doing now, how we would reference geography Look, in our town. Yeah. So we were at cowboy three and this was the newest of the cowboy gas stations that was on the edge of town. And it was by a cemetery. Mm-hmm. That's only important because we, we go in there. This was a gas station with seats so you could sit and have your hot pocket or your greasy hot dog. Oh, and oh, they had good milkshakes for like 50 cents. And they weren't milkshakes. They had good homogenized glutamate or whatever. Yeah. Um, oh, so tasty. But anyways, we're walking away and he just goes, I got to go in the cemetery. And he comes back out, puts, or did he have, it? or he walks back out and he has his like big gulp Slurpee cup, but it has his shitty underwear in them because he shit his pants and he just like shit his pants while we were walking said i gotta go into the cemetery took off his shitty pants probably took the or took off his shitty underwear probably used the part that was not as shitty on the underwear to wipe the shit off his ass i would imagine yeah put that into the cup and then it's holding the cup and then i was like i was like what yeah i shit my pants and it's in the cup He's like, yeah, you're right. That's crazy. And then just through the through the syrupy <laughs> cup, probably hit a probably hit a grave, <laughs> hit a headstone. <laughs> Happy memorial Memorial Day is coming up. I was um, say, yeah, the grave. But that was veteran. it, and that was it. He's like, so we're walking to your house. Sorry, we're gonna have to go three blocks out of the way to stop my house because I gotta take a wet rag to my butt cheeks and just put on a new pair of underwear before we go play Monopoly, you know, or like whatever it was. <laughs> like as opposed to like. Yeah, like, you know, tr- tying a brick around your ankle, you know? <laughs> you, you, were, you came from a place that had a bathroom, and that's where I used to live. Like, that's where my family, I know that neighborhood well. If you're at the cemetery, you're five minutes away from a bathroom, because <laughs> yeah. that's where that gas station is. It's not that far away. Yeah, but I guess some people have, it's like the way I got a small bladder. Some people just have a, um, have a, a weak tiny, colon, is that a thing? T- tiny know. colon? Because, I mean, we've all, I've had that there is something, and I guess, you know what, it is relatively rare because I enjoy my bathroom time. Like, that's a great place to be. But when you, there's like something amazing when something goes on and it's literally like there's like razor blades in your intestine. Like, what the fuck Mm. is down there? Like, yeah. you got to shit so bad. You just that, know like, it immediately. It, like, the pains are, biz- like, incredible. So I guess there's just, there's there's two types of people. The types of people 
that um, have self-respect of the type that don't. No, no. Like there's the type that like there's something in me that would ra- like that feeling is almost like like a syringe is going to. I would rather have the sh- like hold it for so long that the shit poisons my bloodstream and I die mm-hmm. two days later like a, a president's kid yeah. or <laughs> or shit my pants. And I guess I just have like the constitution for pain that I can I can manage it like or I can't because it's it's I'd rather be miserable than embarrassed. Does that make sense? Nah, that That's really that's really that makes me a shitty person. I guess we no, should all just start just shitting like- our pants. Some of you, there's a line. Some people have lines they do not cross. That's yours. You couldn't, can't move past it if it happens. It would bother you too much. Yeah, may, yeah. I guess you're right. I guess that's that might be right. And and you know what? It probably in some point in my life. Oh, I guess. And, and it's that type of people that have to. You're gonna have to let go and realize potentially if you get to that beautiful magic age or you get that beautiful magic illness. Somebody's going to be fucking wiping your shitty ass. And that is yeah. hard to think about. Talk about sweaty palms yeah. for Berbiglia's movie. I think about oh, yeah. that. Or on the other end, you think about not just cleaning uh, a baby's ass, but cleaning a loved one's ass. And do you got the fucking, sure. yeah. do you got the, do you got the, the cojones for that? I like to think, of course I do. Of course that's, you'd like to think so, but that is some hard shit. That's, no, no pun intended, that's like the real shit right there. Oh, yeah. That's a total mental, that's a change completely. You're like, this is the not the person that I knew before. This oh, yeah, yeah. Every, that person. whole relationship shifted, which makes me think like, please, Lord, if I, <laughs> then it's such a stupid thought because who gives a fuck about any of this stuff talk about going back all the way back to the social and societal norms that we've set ourselves in we should just be like Mm -hmm. that shit it smells gross but fuck it you know you 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 come into these agreements and that's just what happens just let it go but please when i get to that point let me have some just enough disposable income where i can afford the extra 50 dollars a day to have a nurse wipe my ass as opposed to my kids or yes. my yeah. uh, Your wife. wife. Yeah, please, yeah. please. Or God forbid your mother again. Exactly. And you know what? There's and obviously, obviously there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, if you if you got it, you know what? If I get to that point, I'm not I'm not worrying about savings. If I have kids, you're I'd rather you not go to college than let you wipe my ass. <laughs> They may beg to differ. Yeah, they might. Well, maybe not if they have my. Um, they're gonna just. They're gonna cram you in a big gulp cup and leave you at the cemetery. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're we're we're already skipping that part. Like, if I get to that point, I'll be like, if you want to go to college, you're you gonna to fucking put me. me in this Chevy and put this tube <laughs> in here in the garage. <laughs> you, if you want college, that's all I'm saying. If you, they'll be like. I'll be like, if you want, if you want that, if you want that inheritance, you're like, you don't have any fucking money. You're going to die of these horrible, this horrible disease, sir. Oh my God. Cause I'm not it's, wheeling you off a cliff. It's not really a tangent, but like Ashley and I watch like forensic files mostly like at night to go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I was and we've kind of gone. Night. 
gone through them all, and I noticed Amazon has Unsolved Mysteries, and I was like, God damn, it's time for Unsolved Mysteries. Can't do it. Dennis Can't Farina? Can't do it anymore. No, this is Stack, original, season one. Well, what's amazing about that, Casey, is the new ones, all they did was edit out Stack and put interstitials with Farina. They are the exact same cases. The exact same... Um, uh, what do, uh, what do you call it? Uh, reenactments. Like they didn't yeah. update anything except for Rena saying, "Well, we finally solved the case." It's from 1982. It's. Um, I was like, they. I forgot how much they do that. Like it's worth it to watch the first two episodes again. I've seen because them, I've I seen forgot them all. the setup, and yeah. especially the early ones. They're beautifully reenacted. Like these reenactments are with legitimate Hollywood actors and actresses. This shit is shot on film. Michael this McConaughey's no fake, first acting role. Ain't no fake video, crappy throwaway video. This is like, so it all looks like an episode of like Rockford Files. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so all the reenactments are like really well done. And I can't like, I it's in the title. Like it's unsolved. <laughs> can't get over it. It's even sadder. I'm too accustomed to forensic files. I need to know, there needs to be an end in here. Oh, that's why None you of can't this do it because you don't get the you can't handle the mystery part. Did you, so you didn't get your way till civil civil war ghost doctor oh, house. I forgot how early they started because I was like, this fucking show is so one sided and creepy. It's fucking horrifying, and then you forget how dated it is because they do. One of the episodes is about this woman. Who just slowly devolves into being a, a hypochondriac and um, agoraphobic. Yeah. So it like starts out and they have pictures of her and her husband, young, beautiful, both full of life, both have jobs, and like she slowly devolves to this point where she can't do she can can't do anything but like stay in her house. Yeah. Oof. So they're interviewing her Lucky husband duck. who is primo creep. <laughs> just all of his interviews, it was like he murdered his wife, uh, murdered his wife. Oh just the way it's yeah. shot, just the way he talks. He's got his big, those big giant like Jeffrey Dahmer glasses. He's just a very weird, cold person. He's like, I wish because she basically left on a trip, yeah, to get on a train in Oakland and just ne- was never seen again. But she wouldn't do that because of her mental condition. No, and her husband goes, I drove her to the train station. She said she was going to visit her sister, and then she never came back. And he says so some I weird shit. Her. Right. He says some weird shit like, I, uh, there was a long time where I wished she had done this earlier. Like, it's just like you're looking into a face of a murderer, and there's like, we don't know where she went. Oh, so hard. I, and uh, then, go ahead. I was going to say, then there was one more. It was about this kid they found washed up on a beach in San Francisco. <laughs> And one of the lines they show it, it was like he was in a like he was in like a Welsh cult had to do with like Welsh mythology. And then they had this amazing scene where they cut away and he was also into this these books about dungeons and dragons. And it's a Dungeons and Dragons like role playing game guide. And it was in that like satanic panic era where they're like, well. He was probably possessed by the devil. And was they it a talk- time when they had to? They felt they had the necessity. They, they felt the necessity to be like Dungeons and Dragons is this. Yeah, 
Oh, I love that shit. It's so good. And then they interview, because he was part of this club. And I was like, oh, it must be, they just called it a Welsh mythology club, because that's better to tell your parents than, like, we're playing role-playing games. At the time, yeah. And they met the guy who ran the club. (laughs) He went, his name is this and this, but he prefers his ancient Welsh name of, like, Neutrocht. So he goes by, like, (laughs) Kim Drutrocht. And he's just, like, the perfect guy who would own a used bookstore and just, like, likes to hang out with young men. Not necessarily because it's, like, sexual in nature. Just because he's, like, I can only identify with children. Like, because I live in this weird clustered fantasy world. Um, So they think he was murdered by Satanists. Of course. Yeah. Of course they do. Meg can attest to, it's, it's, like, perfect. Speaking of forensic files and... Unsolved Mysteries, Meg and I watch um, Forensic Files, but we have like this channel like for all the speaking of people who need their assholes wiped for all the elderly. And then for this apartment, there is a channel mm-hmm. on free cable called um, Inve- Investigate. I think it's Investigate. Um, mm-hmm. No. God, I can't think of the there's name. A, of it. There's an investigate escape. Discovery. It's called escape. escape. It's called escape, and all it pretty much plays is um, FBI files, forensic files, and Ooh, unsolved mysteries. Yeah. And they'll play these amazing blocks of forensic files, and then they'll wedge in. And forensic files are half an hour, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're like a tight with commercial. They're like 22 minutes long, yep. 21 minutes long with no commercial. Unsolved mysteries are a marathon. An hour. They are an hour, a hard hour. So I always like it gets so infuriated because they uh, also escape only. Ha- they only must have purchased a certain block of them. And by the way, yeah. that I can't get past the fact that somebody had the like the gall to say we're gonna do a new season of Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, really? What are the cases? No, yeah. no, 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 no. We're Same just ones. going to take one long weekend. Get somebody like, uh, who's that uh, Chicago cop? Dennis Farina. He's just going to re-record the interstitials in front of a big projector. And we're going to play. They're like, what do you mean? But all those (laughs) mysteries have been solved. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then we're going to put that the mystery was solved. Well, that was Uh, the thing. I forgot the setup. I remembered all the crime stuff. And then I remembered the supernatural stuff. I forgot all the weird subcategories they have. Like, like, me and I always thought this was a really terrible, like, plot device for television shows. But the idea of an old uncle you didn't know about dies with a bunch of money. Did you watch the Bean Can episode? No, it wasn't a Bean Can. It was another, I know the one you're talking about, though, but it was another one, like, <laughs> and it's the story of this weird uncle nobody saw forever. And then he dies. And that's the mystery is like, does anyone know or is related to oh. this weird old man? Yes. He has a bunch of money that you could come into. And I was like, oh, that's, oh, that must, that was a thing. Like having like come of age post internet, but with the internet where everyone's connected, there was a time where like you have an uncle that disappeared. <laughs> like, you're like, I remember where there was this guy, um, but there was the best one was it was about, cause then every once in a while they'll fold in a like, something happy like they they found long lost relatives yes, or they returned yeah, this something fortune from the war yeah yeah and this one in particular was the war vietnam 
No, WW2. Oh, God. Was it the uh, the three brothers that died on a uh, submarine and now this eight-year-old kid knows all the details? That shit creeps me out. Like oh, there was yeah, one no. where this like the first words this kid could say was like, I'm Lieutenant Jenkins. Like this, this first words were like, uh, I I died on a submarine in World War II. I would burn that kid. Like I would take. I go okay. I would take him out back and I would give him a pill and I You're would burn his body. <laughs> yes. No, this one was great because there's nothing supernatural about it except gross human neglect. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. And un- that's my yeah. problem with that's very with unsolved. Natural. With Unsolved Mysteries is that they, you'll watch it and you're like, I'd like to know more about this. Like, why does that, they'd like to gloss over stuff. Sure. That doesn't necessarily paint people in a certain light. So this story was, <laughs> there was this bag. Necklace? Of the, it was, no, it was like, I think it was in Italy, which where the fighting was particularly bad. It was, you know, they kind of give the backstory of like how important correspondence is with people back home and people on the front line, mm-hmm. and then also how amazing the the mail service was in World War II. Yeah, all right. Which, yeah, yep. as you'll hear in the story, they really got to pump up how good the mail service was because the only reason this is happening. So the, the, there's this but these battalions, and they're about to go into some pretty heavy fighting. So everybody is writing letters to their loved ones. Sure. And they give them to the mail carrier guy. And those guys go off and die. This mail carrier guy just disappears. Oh, fuck. Okay. Lost in translation. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. And and then they tell the story. And then he came home with the mail bag and put it in his attic. (laughs) Piece of shit. Amazing. And that is basically how they describe it. And then Robert's like, he came home. And then for whatever reason, the mailbag was put in his attic and never spoke of again. And I was like, Cause this guy's a piece of shit. Exactly. He brought like, a bag of mail home and then just threw it in his garage. And no one found it until he died. And his wife had to move out of the house. And she's like, what the fuck is this bag? Dead so it was letters? about them returning all like returning these letters to these families but it was all just because this jerk like, didn't finish the job. That really changes the uh, Garfield Christmas special where they're like, Ooh, what are these letters, Garfield? Oh, This yeah. man <laughs> died in Navarone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's fucked up. So that I guess- one was heartwarming just because this guy, for what I don't, maybe he intended to do them, but like, I can be a procrastinating lazy person, but if I literally brought home a bag of letters from a bunch of guys who are now dead, I at least would put a, pop them in a goddamn post box. Oh yeah, that's all you have to do. You have to, all you have to do is give them to someone else. Leave them on Anybody the street. Anybody on the street. Exactly. They'll get to where they're going. You don't have, the, but you know why he didn't do that? Cause he didn't want him to get traced back to why ever the fuck he didn't deliver them in the very first place. He went able so and he got busted put that in a brothel. And you don't put shit in an attic. There's two reasons you put no. shit in an attic. Because well, you shit that goes in attics are secrets and bodies. Like you don't want like secrets, or creepy bodies, places. and um, shame. That's it. Like because you like a and family members who don't play well with others. Exactly. Fuck. You know what? I'm putting it out there. If anybody's got a bag of dead soldiers' letters, send, send them, them to me. Because that just sounds like a great way to spend a summer. I mean, that's what I thought. Like that sounds like, like a cool mission. S- that's See, a Zemeckis I I was, movie. 
that's like a Hallmark special. Like it's like the Sandlot. These two like fifties kids like spend the summer like returning letters. Letters from the dead. No, that's like a horror movie. <laughs> well, I don't know what a Hallmarkian uh, name for it would be. Like, like um, uh, allied letters. Like, no, cor- correspondence from. The grave. Something, the correspondence <laughs> sounds like a Hallmarky. Yeah. Term. Well, I guess it. No, those wouldn't have been Hallmark cards. Can you imagine the lazy asshole soldier? Like, because you read those letters and they're so beautifully crafted. Yeah. I believe up until a certain point, uh, the I would be that lazy soldier. It's like, hey, you know where the old uh, card store is over in Bastogne? <laughs> I need to get a. Uh, it'll just say like. Thinking of you, my name. I just sent out a Mother's Day card. Thinking of you, my name, XO, two dots and a smile. Uh, You guys got Ziggy cards here in the 40s? (laughs) Get him. He's from the future. He's a lazy man from the future. (laughs) Or that cranky old lady. Would you, let me ask you this. If you found those letters, you, you, you open them? One, two, just to see what what the fuck is going on. I I may open one if I can't tell what it is exactly. I mean, yeah, if, how if you, you find know? a bag of something with addresses on it, and as I recall, the letters themselves are these very utilitarian things. Like you write on the envelope and then fold it and seal it. So there's no yes. like, there's no frills, and they look cool. They definitely have like. A red dotted thing around the out. They look yes. They, they look, look very yeah. like USA military. Yep. So to find you, I think anyone could assume that they're probably letters when you see like, like you said, like post postmarked Battle of the Navarone. You're like, oh, <laughs> God, fuck, that guy's a piece of shit. I wish. I guess I can close it on a little. Oh, that's such. That's so crazy. It makes me. That's that. That, what a mystery. <laughs> and it wasn't, I mean, that to me, I was like, the mystery for me exactly. is why this motherfucker held on to these letters and they just blow over it. Like That solves a mystery for me. Now I know I'm not quite the laziest man on planet Earth. If you ever, hey, everybody, if you got a bad day and you're like, I feel like a piece of shit, at least you're not this guy. Yeah, that's who like- took all these letters and held on to them. This is literally the last correspondence with these with these fathers and husbands, the last words they've ever written to their loved ones. And this guy threw them in his attic with this fucking train set. Hey, yeah, to all of you, uh, to all of you fellow brothers uh, in arms uh, in, in programs of recovery, one of the tenants is you can have like a really bad day and then just realize like, you know what? Everything's okay because I stayed sober today and, and shit gets fucked up when I... You can add this one. Everything's okay because yeah. I didn't put a bag of dead soldiers' letters in my attic like a <laughs> goddamn golem. So, <laughs> my God. This guy. He, do you think he went up there like Clark Griswold in Christmas Vacation and just like smelled the letters and like looked at them and just... Like a memory thief? Oh, do you think? Oh my God! Yeah, Let, there's people. That's int- That's fucking cr- that guy. That guy's crazier than a, like the serial killer from Seven, just jerking off over these Italian, u- not Union soldiers. It's probably, <laughs> it probably happens in every war. It's like the Lieutenant Dan of male thieves, memory thieves. <laughs> my one of my relatives stole dead soldiers' letters from every war. Um. Oh my God! Because it's was- like now I'm just thinking of like. 
my grandpa was in the war. It's like, what'd your grandpa do? He stole memories. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. That's so crazy. I um, bet he looked like Dennis Rader. Like, oh, he looked yeah. like the BTK killer. That uh, Talk about, yeah, well, that mystery solved. Except for the mystery. Can somebody solve the mystery of why that guy has so many amenities in his fucking uh, prison cell and kind of oh, he's got a, he's got a pretty He's got a pretty big rider? He's got a fucking Dennis Rader rider. <laughs> He's got a Dennis Rader print. I shit you not. They cut to him. I forget what I was watching or I was hearing something. And this piece of shit, because he's that echelon for, forgive me for lack of a better word, because I fucking hate fucking. I am as fascinated as the next person mm-hmm. in serial killer culture. And there's, I swear to God, there's certain serial killers that this is not a, this is not a forgiveness of their actions, but that I genuinely feel like sorry for like Jeffrey Dahmer. Like he was like, like he had like a juicy chemical leak in his brain and use, Mm -hmm. he has entries, like he has writings about like, he can't stop what he was doing. Like the compulsion, Dennis Rader was a nerd. And I fucking hate him. And oh, yeah. he was fucking just an awful, mean human being. No, he's I just don't know why I need evil. to defend he's, others. He's just a disgusting evil. Yeah. Like, there's nothing you can't... It's no mental disorder. Yeah, I think there's, there's no a difference between imbalance. evil and sick. There is. He is just evil. I think there's, like, even... You know what? One of the fact, One of the parts of it is, like, a boredom of evil, too. And that's, like... Go like find Ted some Bundy, letters. I would say... Ted Bundy was evil. Yeah, I would agree with that. There was too. no chemical imbalance. Yeah. Nothing really you could point to. Like, he just thought he was better than. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone. Hubris getting away with shit. Just Leopold and Lowe. They only killed yeah, exactly. one person. I think they were evil. Um, oh, they weren't ill at all. No. They had affluenza. That, I don't know if you, if you ever get talking about forensic files, which is, oh, good, where I was trying to take it back to. Um, uh, and and I, I guess we can we can wrap it up. But um, if you ever see the real case of where that term was coined of affluenza mm-hmm. of the case down in Texas, talk about wanting to put somebody's body in your attic. This kid is a. Fu- it reminded me of so many kids in Watertown who had. Can we who, send it? Put him on the Raider rider. Put him on the Raider rider. Dennis Raider. Yeah. He uh, oh Dennis Raider's rider by the way is he's got he's got better cha- he doesn't have escape he has investigate yeah. discovery I'm just gonna put that out there for all you TV nerds where where you at you understand what I mean Dennis Raider yeah. has extra mashed potato helping rider investigate discovery rider can check out an extra book at the library rider doesn't have to wear his butt cheeks out rider. Own Holy cell shit, rider. Man. That motherfucker should be down with the sodomites. If you know oh what I mean. Oh my god, he should be. Um, he should be in proximity. The fact that he's not anywhere where someone could kill him with a fucking broomstick, like they yeah. did fucking Jeffrey Dahmer, yeah. is disgusting. I didn't realize Jeffrey Dahmer was such a big motherfucker. Like I didn't know he was. He was a tall dude because he just has like. So he had such a sadness about him that like. That made his presence seem small to me. Even as a little kid, like watching, like, oh, that sad, weird fucking guy. But yeah, he was like six nerd. foot six, like 250 pounds kind of thing. Jesus. He was a bad motherfucker. And I watched an interview with him, and and I think he had like 
the belt with the the metal tip like i was like he looked oh, he looked he yeah. looked good um talk so imagine this guy didn't die with the letters and you fucking yeah. found him and he's your grandpa and you and you're like and this is the guy who's like told you life lessons and shit so this is a forensic files you might have seen it where this guy in the 50s uh uh, just gets out of jail for armed robbery, makes his way up from some Amarillo, Texas. He's going up through El Segundo in California, and he makes his way upon these kids in Lover's Lane. Uh, they roll down the, their steamy windows. He puts a gun in their face. He ties them up, takes their money, sexually assaults one of the women, steals, oh, the, yes. steals the car, yeah, yeah. goes away, mm-hmm. kills two cops because he's worried that even though without the technology that they're going to discover what he did and he's going to get the electric chair. So he claims they didn't find this guy for 55 years. That's right. Yeah. And he had children and grandchildren and no, um, criminal records since that point. And they fucking found him. They showed up at the door and they said he was like, Oh, come on. That was so long ago. And like, God, like he was, they had had him dead to rights. But before. you're just like, oh my god, the idea of thinking you it you got away with it, <sighs> like it's been so long you got comfortable, Jesus. you get a good night's sleep every night because you got nothing to worry about. How many years does it take you to get a good night's sleep? Because I believe he was finally there forty five years later. But how many years do you think it took him where he was like, they're not gonna fucking catch me, or do you think he's a socio um, path? Oh, like he could he slept good that night even? Yeah. Uh, five years? Like long enough to start forgetting the details of something. Yeah, all right. You know, like maybe that's something you don't, but I, like once it starts to lose its juice. I'm, I'm just saying I've, I've done misdemeanor things 15 years ago. And my fear of butt cheeks Your hanging anxiety. out in prison. Yeah, yeah, are, yeah. In prison. In prison are still so like. I uh, I get I get anxious, you know. Maybe back then it was different because of the like you said, it was like the fifties. Like he's like, I killed these people. I I'm killed in a different the cops. state. Yeah, no, they'll never find me. Yeah, they they pretty much should not have. But it's probably one of those... the moment he got comfortable in a new location, like probably when he had a kid, his first kid. I don't yeah. know. Maybe it brought the anxiety back, but. So then, oh yeah, but then I was just, I guess I wasn't even thinking from his perspective. I was just thinking about the grandkids who had to hear hit this guy's fucking shit. And sometimes he was like terse with them, you know? And then you go, fuck, you did what? What? Yeah. Oh yeah. For their sake, I hope he was just one of those shitbag grandpas who just mean. Like, yeah. I hate going to, I hate being around this guy. That makes perfect sense. Or he was the best. Or that's what happens. It's like those Nazi grandparents where you're like, yeah. what? Not that I know. Not that I, I haven't ever had that experience, but I'm sure that happened where they're like, yeah, grandpa said he was in the war. And then he dies. And years later, you're like, oh, oh. grandpa was in the SS. Exactly. <laughs> that's what grandpa was in. Fuck. Think how many people were in the SS. There's a lot of grandpas out there that were in the SS that didn't get fucking Not caught. That- and not you'll Santa find a Claus Brazilian farmer, school. farm boy out there, <laughs> and you'll find a, a a Nazi a Nazi seed two generations back. I'm telling you, nothing but dirty, filthy fucking Aryans down there in South America. I don't trust them. Build a wall, build a wall to keep the Aryans out, keep the white race out. 
Panama's let's, thin, so that's a tiny wall. Let's turn it on its ear. Let's turn it on its ear. <laughs> what do you mean, build a wall? Yeah, I want to keep those Nazis out. Where are the Nazis? The Nazis. Brazil. <laughs> what, oh, oh, fuck. All right, here. I was I was promising this little taste, this little treat. I, uh, I'll i try and find a clip of it. Casey, you might have to go back into the annals of Unsolved Mysteries. The best, it's one of the, the treats that's like, Unsolved mystery, um, what's uh, unexplained, and uh-huh. it's the weirdest one I've ever seen because it's it the the reenactment's beautiful, but the claim is that this person sweats gold foil. Oh my god! So that's... it's all these people like I just and it's of course it's down south. It's like in like Shreveport, and it's like I was just looking over at foil. Jeffrey in the old Sodi Saloon. And he's just covered in gold foil. Cut to reenactment. Just this gold tin foil, <laughs> poorly pasted on somebody. Going, huh. it's like we took it to a di- we took it to a scientist. They tested it, and it's gold. And he just keeps sweating gold. Cuts he just keeps like, sweating gold. And I was like, what kind of sick type of maple syrup urine disease does this guy actually have? Oh, man. And he's just excreting some kind of horrible toxic fungus. It's like sulfur. He's exactly. like excreting sulfur from his pores. Ugh. Or where he works where he's just sinks into your skin. Like what mine does he work in or mill? Right, exactly. Where do you not want to buy bread from this baker? <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's, yeah, that's that's the type of like community it's in where like yellow means gold. That's gold. Seal it. It's like that great bit about the hoarder that um, I think uh, our buddy Neil Stastny, it's his bit where he just talks about the hoarder. It's not even a bit. He just he does exactly what we're doing, just reiterates about the hoarder that just collects a certain type of tree bark called burl. And it's this guy who has this unsubstantiated uh, not substantiated this unhealthy obsession with this burl and he goes around and he buys it because people do like the way it looks so they'll take a little piece of burl and they'll put it up on the wall and what a nice design but he's convinced that like the burl futures are gonna skyrocket so he's collected and spent all of his life savings on burl and he just goes around collecting burl, and now he's got two houses, as Hoarders always shows. It's these guys, like, I can barely afford rent on one small apartment. And then it always shows these people that have Hoarders a have beach like house a in bit, Monterey, yeah. and a house in the <laughs> woods, and something. And it's all full of dog shit, and uh, Looney Tunes slides, <laughs> cells, <laughs> and burl. Burl. Well, I guess. Party on, Wayne. Party on, Garth. Put a pin in that one. In yeah, that, we I, didn't. We I, didn't. Oh, speaking of unsolved mysteries, Henning might be back next week because last time yes. I spoke to him on the phone, he was picking up two hitchhikers in Oregon. You and I picture hitchhikers as in like crusty mountain murderers. Yeah, I bet for Henning, it's busty like babes, eighty Swedish babes. bikini team. Oh yeah, totally. Like two know. hot hippie chicks. We're gonna we're gonna have to. I'm gonna see if Henning. You know, Henning's gonna be like one of those like. Speaking of Hallmark Channel, like one of those abused teens that. Um, hmm. Oh my fucking iPad wasn't charged. Jerk practice, jerk practice. Sketch boys love to reminisce. Yeah. All right.
right, that was episode 55. Uh, left you hanging there a little bit, but maybe there's more. Uh, also, thanks for putting up. I know this is coming out a day later than normal. We like to stay right on time, but running with the theme of dads. Old H-E idiot uh, Dr. Toilet got locked on a roof in his underwear and had to go car shopping. So uh, you can't get much more dad than that. Uh, So please, uh, if you like the pod, tell your friends, share it, uh, subscribe to it, download it, rate, review it. All that stuff helps other people find it. Um, And check out our other podcast, podcast. Check out our other podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Have a good night, Court. It's also by The Jerk Practice if you're looking for um, artist name or whatever. And uh, we watch episodes of Night Court. One episode at a time, episode per episode. I think we're on episode eight this week. So, uh, yeah, we love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Dads! I'm hitting record now, so whenever you're ready, hit a clap, and you can... <laughs> so, yeah, we hope to see Henning again soon from his hobo travels and all the hitchhikers he's picking up. That's an hour. Faker. Faker. That was a fake. Casey was faking fake. you. I called him out. <laughs> Live from New York. I don't know. That, I, I don't. Oh, yeah, that's how we brought it back. Party on, party. It's party out. Party out. Party out, Wayne. You think a Wayne's World 3 is ever going to happen? No. I think Mike Myers is too. Oh, fuck. Too we didn't even talk about it. Mike Myers. Talk about being insulated and being in your own like world. Like he loves to hide behind characters. That's not fair. That sounds mean. Like he plays characters. He's got a new character and he's been hitting. He's like hosts the gong show now as this Welshian fat like dignitary. And he was on like the Jimmy Kimmel show. And it took me a minute. I was like, that's fucking Mike Myers. And he's He's on there and he wasn't being funny, though. He was just like, yeah, I thought we'd bring back the like there was no laughs like no. Uh It was very cheeky. And I was like, oh, interesting. Well, he was really good in Inglorious Bastards. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. He was just that stuffy British general. I mm-hmm. Like, I think he's a talented. I think he's a good I, actor. I, I wish he would do more drama stuff. He clearly wants to do that more. Inglorious Bastards, he was Churchill, right? No, he was just a, just an agent, just a, like, general. Oh, okay. Because he was the one that can gets the... Um, Faster Bender's character. They talk about movies and about Hitler's love of movies. He was uh he played um the the studio um fifty four oh, yeah. owner studio 54, in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was creepy and weird and great. He's a I mean, he's a he he's an actor. Like he's just a really good he can body uh any he can embody these characters. He's dedicated, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. That's a Myers. That's a Meyer. I I would like to see a Wayne's World three, but would you though? If it was kind of like a Spinal Tappy, like where they like they're already famous, so it's like a retrospective of like, so we miss the point where Wayne and Garth are like huge, and so we're like coming back to like oh, sort of Citizen great. Kane, Rose Buddy that's kind of. Really smart. That's a really good idea. I've been thinking about Wayne's World three trademark for it, trademark, twenty years. Trademark somebody's trademarked sketch. With oh, get I the, didn't mention get it. Get the Mike Lorney lawyers after you. What? Speaking of Lorney Michaels, uh, just I I swear to God, someone in the SNL superstructure is slowly 
trying to drive you insane. Oh, please don't say this. Ashley showed me a sketch, and I was like, this is the weirdest. This is exactly what we joked about. Because there was that episode where you and I <clears throat> and uh, Henning were talking about uh, animation logos. Yes. And then Henning was talking about animation, and then you and I both went, no, no, no. The animation for the logo. Yeah. They did a fucking sketch on SNL that was about the animation for studios, for the logo animation. And they did, and it was almost, I was like, I said this line. I was like, I think I'm, I think I'm on Hansa's side now. Cause, cause they bring him in and they're like, he's the guy who did DreamWorks. And then Billy, uh, the, uh, guy's like, Oh, the kid who fishes off the moon. I love that. Fuck you. Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? No, I'm not. Casey literally me. said, I hope Hans didn't see this. That's so fucked up. All right, I'm telling you, I'm doing it on my own. This is not. I'm, I'm with doing Hans. It. We're connecting the dots. This is conspiracy theory shit. But maybe some of it was accidental. But now, like, I feel like if I were in so their specific. position, because I've hit them up on Facebook and jokey jokey, they're jokey thieves, and then I've put like hashtag jerk practice podcast link to the oh, iTunes. Jesus. If I was them. And I'm not. I would start. And that's why they're where they are and I'm where I am. I would go, okay, all right. Now I'm going to listen to your podcast every week. And I'm at least going to dedicate two hours of my time to listening An to your podcast. intern is listening to our finding podcast a bit for the writer's And room. writing a sketch and trying to get it on the show. That was the I, bit. That it, was the bit. It's too weird that? and specific. What's it called? Gaslighting or no, what's it called when you're slowly trying to make somebody go insane by like these weird coincidences? Gangstock? Yes. Yes. I, there's no way. There's no way. Like, because a lot of times you're like, I, there right. may be an intern in that building whose job it is to to take two hours out of his week to just write down stuff. Now I'm sound crazy, <laughs> but I'm telling but you, it was too specific. Some jokes are in either ether. we're on the same wavelength, like we are literally sharing a brain. Yeah. Like it's me, you and Henning doing what we do, and then there's three of those guys doing what they do at the exact same time. It's like Bizarro Us. Or it's the worst Truman show that's ever existed. They need to cancel it because it's 90% masturbation and then sketches about movie logos. There's no way. I, I keep wanting to say there's there's comedy bits that are in the ether, like bed sores. Like, okay, that's weird that these grandparents are staying in a bed. I can see how multiple comics, I'm not giving them the credit for it. I can see how multiple people can think similar ideas. Fucking nerdy guys talking about the logo for a movie, the logo of the logo. And the same logo within the, the same two Animation. week time frame. That was the sketch. It was a pitch meeting about the logos of logos. No, not that is logos, <laughs> locos, loc, not ethos, no ethics. Mikey Day, no wonder he didn't fucking friend me. You know what? Maybe, maybe you ever seen that documentary Tower? Maybe I'm going to the top of Thirty Rock, and and you know what? It doesn't matter. Just put me, put me in the credits. I you don't even have to pay me, you fucking thieves. And I'm not even blaming Lorne, horny Lorne, as I'll call him when I own that fucking show. <laughs> God, that makes me so 
Am I going to see a sketch about somebody sweating gold now? For fuck's yep. sake! Oh yeah, we're gonna see a uh, we're gonna see an mystery unsolved sketch. mystery sketch. We I we probably are with Mike Myers as a guest or something <laughs> stupid. <laughs> it's gonna be my Wayne's World three. Oh, that's I can't. You really buried the lead on that. Holy fuck! What's up? Yeah, did you watch SNL last night? Talking to Meg. Did you see a sketch where they were pitching ideas for logos in front of movies, like the animations? No, I guess I fell asleep after a weekend update. Oh. Yeah, it was like we saw it like online today, but it was definitely one of the last ones. It's like I'm, the weird ones that you put at the it's end. It's the jerk practice spot. We have a spot on that show and they show our stuff. Was it earlier? By the way, that's uh, Ash from Have a Good Night Court. You're sitting in on a little JP cold tag here. Um, You're at, recording? As my yeah. as my iPad uh, exploded as we were finishing. Just like not, your, not your to, blood pressure now. Not to give them a sketch about I, old iPads or some bullshit. Oh, they're going to do a sketch about my old iPhone. Probably. Ooh. Look at this guy's old iPhone. What is he? Gay? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's just an ad for gay. Oh, God. Oh, God. That's so... I'm... Uh, I don't know, like you know, I always, I'm just always joking about that, but there is something that's very. It's just, up about it was just that. weird because it's such a specific premise, and I remember that conversation we had because it was funny because Henning was talking like a professional, yeah, and we were like, no, 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 Henning, you're too, you're too smart for this conversation. It's when the globe, we turns. just mean when the when the stars spin in Orion and then go ring. Exactly. Holy shit. Uh, no, but it was totally like the prep. That was the premise. And then the rest of the sketch is just Melissa McCarthy, like doing what she does best. Like they're funny parts. Yeah. But I was like this fucking premise, like the premise. Cause now I'm looking at it through your eyes. The premise doesn't fit with the gag. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But anyways, man, I swear to God, I'm going to turn in on that show like in a week or two and they're gonna say live from new york that's an hour <laughs> and, and and i'll go i'm in a dream i'll i'll reach up for the corners oh my of my of my of my reality to try and rip away that set will be proved correct when they do a nerd podcaster sketch yes. and it looks like me and yes. you yeah, and course. henning I still all right. Talk about comedy in the ether. I think that is coming. I'm a mate. Where get on the fucking ball, guys. I would parody us in a heartbeat. You know what I mean? <laughs> I would love to parody myself. Yes. Oh my god. Totally. <laughs> this podcast is rife for it. Um. Fuck. Oh, that's oh, an yeah. If you, angered, if, angered hour. Holy shit. Oh, there's my gonna blood be blood is boiling. If there's a gag, uh, yeah. No, I got this big gulp full of dirty underwear. Yeah. You know they're listening then. And that takes us right, right back to that movie. Don't think twice. <coughs> I'm crying. No. Oh. <laughs> it got me. It got me. Got my nasals uh, worked up. Jesus, that's not even. Now you're awake. We got you hot. Whew. I well, guess that's, that's good. Two hours. Yeah. I guess. Um, now I'm. All right. I, did we hour? Ready to pass judgment. You are gonna do it now. Permanent hour. 